Today on Ag News Daily. And that was a leadership group, and we um, did several aspects of uh, leadership-type visits. We did visit farms, uh, for example, camel dairy. Welcome to another Ag News Daily podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Ag Explorer International. I'm Tanner Winterhoff alongside Delaney Howell. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, Tanner. I tell you what, though, we had some crazy storms last night in our neck of the woods. Did you get those storms? We did. I had three quarters of an inch of welcomed rain. Um, mm-hmm. It Not looking forward to the cool temps ahead, but thankfully did not sustain any damage. I think our our neighbors 30, 40 miles to the north would have a different story to tell. And we, we have them all in our prayers and we hope that they get things cleaned up and are able to get back to regular life as usual. Yes, absolutely. There were a lot of, a lot of big storms that swept through a lot of Iowa. I assume it came up. Oh, I was watching the radar last night, came up through like Nebraska, Kansas, et cetera. I don't know how bad storms were down there. I think they really kind of, uh, grew when they were when they were hitting like central Iowa at least that's what the radar was showing so yeah it could be some storm damage today and let's hope it stayed away from the rail system because the first story I want to share this morning is that uh, we are experiencing record high backlogs in our rail car inventory so Union Pacific is now going to start limiting their traffic to help clear these clogged rail lines so I don't know if our listeners caught it early on, but about 45 days ago, the Union Pacific Railroad actually took steps to ease the amount of cars in their Chicago depot, stopping transportation from Los Angeles to Chicago for a week. Now, what they're telling everybody is they are going to remove 3% of its rail car fleet and add 50 locomotives. So their plan is to try and move less cars in a train faster to help get rid of the backlog because they're struggling to get cars unloaded at the rail yards. Plus, exciting news is they have transferred 80 crew members to help with the congestion in Chicago and are currently training 450 more employees that should be able to jump in locomotives later this summer. So that's just one step of how goods are getting transported both agricultural and for consumer use via rail and we're going to try and get to the bottom of this this was obviously a government directed order and that is the solution that union pacific has shared as of just before 9 30 this morning and um i want to follow up on a story that's somewhat related but uh, obviously down in argentina we're still watching that trucker strike go on tanner and i saw this small tidbit today i thought was interesting and can help provide a little bit more clarity on that but it's estimated that this trucker strike due to higher fuel costs uh, will cause an estimated 80 percent decrease in available trucks to unload at argentinian ports as well as getting products to the ports and a lot of folks are saying that this is compounding with the number of vessels waiting to be unloaded because many are backlogged already due to the Ukrainian war. And so there's certainly kind of a domino effect that could be at play here and might have a hard time getting products into and out of Argentina. You know, that, that we, like I said, that's something we're going to have to keep our eyes on and pay attention to to see how this evolves. But uh, it's shaping up to be a transportation Wednesday because the next thing I'm going to talk about is the infrastructure bill 
that the United States government passed. So that's $1.2 trillion in this infrastructure bill and 14.6 billion of it is for rural specific programs. So that is tens of billions of dollars planning to be spent on roads, bridges, and waterways in rural areas. Again, that was talked about yesterday during President Biden's speech at the Menlo uh, ethanol plant. Uh, he dropped a little bit more information here, said that this should be one of the largest influxes of cash into the United States infrastructure program uh, than we had seen since the Great Depression. So if you are bouncing up and down some roads or across bridges that you feel need some updates, potentially money is on its way to you know brighten your horizon. And obviously that was part of the news he shared yesterday, but the bigger chunk of his news was looking at unveiling availability of higher biofuel blends at gasoline pumps this summer. So he made the announcement yesterday at that Menlo, Iowa plant that E15 will be available through the summer from June 1 until September 15th, because he said that we need to keep cheaper fuel at the gas pump. Tanner, I uh, was looking at an analyst kind of assessment, short-term assessment of what this will do for corn demand. And he was suggesting that it could increase corn demand by about 15 million bushels. So not a huge increase there, but certainly supportive for the corn market nonetheless. Um, But I also wanted to make note that, you know, as you're mentioning ethanol and as we're talking about ethanol and inflation and all of those things, uh, inflation hit a new 40 year high on Tuesday. And I had not realized that this, this came just of course, as Biden was making this announcement Reporters were also sharing that we're now at a 40-year high for inflation. So certainly not positive news there. It's not. And it's only going to point to, uh, like we had talked about, a faster hike in interest rates. So I would I would pretty much put a lock stock bet on interest rates coming out of that next Fed meeting going higher. But before we move on, I wanted to remind our listeners that we all know it's vital to have crop nutrients in the right source at the right rate at the right time and in the right place to improve your ROI and yield. The team at Ag Explorer also understands that it is vital to have the right technology. That's why they call it the fifth R of nutrient stewardship. AgX technologies and its products are designed to enhance your yields, therefore maximizing your investment. If you want to know more, reach out by visiting agexplorer.com. That is A-G-X-P-L-O-R-E com And Duaney, I now have a conundrum, and I don't think I've used that word in a long mm, time. That's fancy. Working on transition from your articles to mine, I have two Chinese articles, one about corn and other about infrastructure. So let's start with the infrastructure one. And it's just a real quick hitter that China's March soybean imports fell 18% year over year. And a lot of that is being blamed on delayed exports coming from Brazil. So just to tie uh, to the stories that we had been sharing here, but a second one might've been for poor crush margins. Either way, uh, soybeans are going to remain tight as we see, but maybe the Chinese demand isn't as high as we thought. But look at this transition into the corn demand because China is now potentially facing planting delays. So when's the last time, Delaney, that we have reported anything on COVID-19? Yeah, it's been a long time, but I actually saw some news this morning that quite a few Chinese 
what they be provinces are in lockdown again. So I don't know if that has anything to do with what you're about to share there, Tanner. If I stole you your thunder. No, you didn't steal it, but you led even more, in, let's see, even better into my transition. So yes, that's exactly what's happening is some of these provinces are on lockdown and some of these provinces provide off-season employment to China's farmers. So farmers are now stuck in the city where they've been working their off-season job and cannot get back to their farm to prepare their soils. So with tight corn stalks already, the world's number two corn producer, which I didn't realize was China, um, may be experiencing planting delays, which as we have heard from a lot of our guests already, that uh, planting timely planting of crops is extremely important to contributing to yields. Uh, but nearly 100,000 farmers are stranded and are trying to get home, as local authorities said, uh, and are stuck. Slight delay might not be that big of an impact, but clearly the farmers are itching to get into their fields and prepare the soil for corn planting. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, China's not a huge corn. Pr- uh, they are. They're number two. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I realized that they were that large either. They don't export, but they produce. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think I have just kind of one final piece of news left to share. Maybe two, actually, Tanner. Um, Taking us back down to Argentina, I should have shared this earlier, but Argentina's Central Bank of Directors is going to meet today on Wednesday to discuss possible interest rate hikes. And I don't remember, Tanner, what was the country we were talking about the other day that had astronomical interest rates? Oh, not Sri Lanka. Or was it Sri Lanka? I don't, it might've been, that sounds right, actually. And do you remember what their interest rate was? It doubled to 14%. Okay, well, uh, Argentina's interest rate is probably going to get raised by 150 basis points to 46%. Whoa. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I could not believe that when I read that. So yeah, of course we have trucker strikes because how are they going to afford to pay for gasoline? They can't really borrow money at that interest rate. There's just a lot of um, interesting things going on to say the least. Well, that doesn't, that certainly puts more incentive behind why uh, the trucker strike is happening. Because just like you said, we can't put that on a credit card if the interest rate is going to eat away at profitability that fast. So that, that ties a lot of things together. It certainly does. Tanner certainly does. But Tying everything together here, I wanted to mention one last piece of news because on on Monday, we, of course, got the crop progress, but also crop conditions report. And the winter wheat condition ratings, of course, have been some of the worst that we've seen in years. And it's interesting. I, I saw a graph this morning that I thought painted a really clear picture of what that looks like. So I'll do my best to elaborate on it. But essentially, this graph was looking at winter wheat conditions versus yield. And here we are in 2022 with not quite, I think since 1996, the worst ratings since 1996. And yield in 96 was just shy of 35 bushels per acre. So all in all, this chart's really just highlighting the fact that we're probably going to see some really low yields this year. That is not good news. I'm curious, Delaney, what the markets look like this morning. I haven't even looked, but before we jump into those, uh, do you wonder what makes Ag Explorer different? Well, they are innovators bringing together the talent, global resources, 
and industry to face critical farming needs head on. AgX is an industry leader developing field proven cutting edge technologies that have revolutionized farming. They learn continuously because they know their current knowledge is never good enough. Forging ahead always with technology driven products to enhance yields and maximize investments. Ag Explorer is the farmer's champion. If you want to know more, reach out by visiting agexplorer.com. That's A-G-X-P-L-O-R-E.com. Delaney, what do we look like this morning in the markets? We are pretty red today, Tanner. Uh, Saw some profit taking yesterday when we saw good numbers put up on the board. Today, we've definitely pulled back soybeans, corn, and wheat are all lower across the board here. In livestock this morning, we're having an opposite story. In the cattle complex, things are green across the screen, lean hogs lower today. Uh, But all in all, we're continuing to trade any sort of headline we get in the grain markets. And cattle, I was reading a little commentary on that this morning. They're really starting to react to some of this cold and crappy weather that we're having elsewhere uh, because that could help with snowfall and potential grazing capacity that some of these Western growers could have. So that's a little bit about the markets today, Tanner. There you go. We have it. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Should we jump into that? Let's do it. Well, it's time for an exciting conversation today. We are blessed with the founder of Trump Tours, Tiffany Trump Humbert. Welcome to the podcast, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. So Tiffany's company, Trump Tours, is a tour-operated company that excels in personal service and custom tour itineraries that, based upon what I've learned, Tiffany, ties in with agriculture. So can you share a little bit about uh, who you are and what the company is that you and your husband run? Sure. Uh, Trump Tours was established in 99. So we've been uh, running successful tours worldwide for 23 years now. Uh, We do have a specialty and it is agriculture. We take American farmers all over the world to see agriculture and we bring farmers from all over the world into the United States to see U.S. agriculture. Tiffany, I think that is just so interesting and such an awesome part of the industry. Can you tell us a little bit about how y'all got into this space and what your background in ag and ag tourism is? Yes, uh, I grew up on a farm in Northeast Missouri. It was a corn and soybean farm and uh, other members of my family were involved in livestock um, and all all different aspects of uh, farming, heavy duty trucking, tractor sales. And um, I actually spent quite a bit of time abroad working as an investment banker. I met my husband, who's German, who is actually also active in our company. And um, when we moved back to the States, I wanted to do something that I enjoyed and something that I knew about. And we love to travel. So we thought, hey, let's um, see if we can... um, start a company doing tours and then uh, we decided um, to specialize in agriculture. Uh, We're part of a network of tour operators all over the world and we uh, network and send groups back and forth to each other. Um, The 
the uh, tours can be very intensive as far as the technical side, or they can be uh, a little bit of technical with more tourism. It just depends on the group and what their interests are. And that's typically what you're doing, correct, is working with a group of people. This isn't normally just uh, a pair of spouses or a couple of friends. It's usually larger groups, correct? Well, we actually do both. We have retail tours. For example, we have an offering of nine different tours um, around the world, and anyone can sign up for those. We call those our retail tours. And then we also service groups, uh, for example, trade associations, leadership programs, um, maybe just a group of um, cattlemen who want to travel together. So we, we have two different aspects of um, on the tour side. So along that, would you say your target audience is more of farmers and producers or just recreational consumers? Uh, they're all farmers and producers. And uh, one of the great things uh, we, our clientele, they do love going on these tours because they know that they're traveling with like-minded people. Uh, so while they're on the bus, I love all the lively conversations that happen uh, once we do, we're at a farm visit and then we get on the bus to travel on and it's just lively conversation. Um, sometimes you have farmers who um, do totally different farming systems and uh, they, I hear all the chatter and they're telling each other about their farming uh, systems and what they do. So uh, it's extremely interesting uh, from that point of view. That's what I would find exciting. And I think a lot of our listeners who are, are mainly ag fo focused also would enjoy is you know, sometimes you go out on a vacation to be by yourself and have private and refreshing. And sometimes it's really nice to have someone else figure out the agenda and be in a position to where you can learn independently, also in a group setting. So where where are some of your favorite places that groups have gone or where they can go in the future? Well, let me tell you about uh, where I just returned from. Um, well, my husband and I, uh, we uh, worked together and he just returned from Morocco. He took a soybean association to Morocco so they could see um, what was happening to uh, their commodities and if there were further investments to be made. Uh, and then I just returned from the United Arab Emirates, and that was a leadership group, and we um, did several aspects of uh, rural um, leadership-type visits. We did visit farms, uh, for example, a camel dairy, which was extremely interesting, uh, but in the Emirates, they have a lot of greenhouse farming uh, because it is too hot, um, and it's actually evaporated cooled greenhouses. Uh, not like our greenhouses would be like in the north. <laughs> They're the opposite. Um, so anyway, that, that we just returned from those two destinations. Uh, but um, we have retail tours going to Iceland, uh, Sweden, um, New Zealand next year, Mexico, Ireland, um, and other destinations. And once again, um, those tours are open to anyone who wants to sign up for them. And they're a combination between tourism and then the agriculture, uh, the technical side of it. 
So Tiffany, would you say that um, your company suffered a lot of impact from COVID-19? Are y'all still booking as many people as you did before? How has that affected y'all? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Um, we had zero business for two years. Um, of course, international travel was not possible um, for the first year, and then it took a while for people to feel comfortable to travel abroad or um, for countries to accept uh, any travelers at all. Um, and so for the last three or four months, we've kind of started to ramp up again. And um, I am really excited that we have uh, groups again. So we had two years of, of no business. Um, we personally, we just uh, looked at our business and did a lot of planning for the future. So that was fine. And it looks like um, we have a lot of groups coming into the US as well, uh, farm groups, and then a lot of groups going out. So finally, it looks like we're back on track. So when a listener hears this message and gets really excited about potentially taking one of these trips, what is the, the first action that they should take or, or how do you handle those first conversations with them? Uh, well, we have a website, uh, agtoursusa.com and um, the, all of the itineraries are listed on there uh, or they can call us directly. And then um Usually we have a gateway airport and I'll assist them on getting from wherever they're, they're leaving from to the gateway airport to join up with the group and then we fly overseas together. Um, but mainly it's what interests them and uh, a lot of people are checking uh, things off of their bucket list and um, we offer a lot of those. So, uh, for example, New Zealand, that's uh, going to be very popular. It's in January, and that's a destination that a lot of people dream of going to. And also, it's a really interesting destination agricultural-wise. To kind of add on to that, Tiffany, how could, if you're bringing tours to the United States and someone wanted to be a part of that tour and host a ranch tour or something like that, how could they uh, get in contact with you to do that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, they're welcome to call our office. Of course, we, we love, um, you know, uh, ranchers and farmers or anyone involved in the ag industry who is happy to share and to show um, we are in a global world now and um, sharing um, expertise is always um, welcome. And also a lot of times uh, a farm or ranch host will realize that they're learning a lot too by hosting a group and, and uh, learning from the people who come as well. So it goes both ways. And um, yeah, we, we are always welcome to anyone who would like to host groups. Tiffany, this has been an exciting conversation. Um, I didn't know necessarily what to expect in the beginning, but I'm so glad I got to virtually meet you. Listeners, it's again, mm -hmm. agtoursusa.com. And there is a lot of great information on their website. I just pulled that up to take a look myself. But Cassidy, I'm pretty sure tonight in my spare time, I am going to be looking up Camel Dairies on YouTube uh, just to see what that is all about. But uh, Tiffany, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Uh, no, I would just uh, hope that everyone um, starts looking at their bucket list and where they want to go and 
uh, to remember us when uh, you're thinking about booking a tour abroad and to remember that uh, we offer a very unique niche um, and that, that, you know, is uh, based on agriculture, but also um, fun as well with, with the, the major sightseeing. And then you're traveling with like-minded people and that's what people really, that's what our clients really love about our tours. That is so great, Tiffany. And listeners, if you have ever been on a Trump tour, please uh, tag us on social media with some pictures and stories about how you enjoyed that. This will be interesting to see um, and learn about how farmers have viewed agriculture around the world. So thanks again, Tiffany. We appreciate you joining us on our podcast episode, and we wish you the best of luck with your business in the future. Thank you so much. Well, Delaney, it's too bad you missed out on that conversation because I felt like we just traveled around the world with her as we learned about her uh, agritourism business. That is certainly interesting, Tanner. I don't know a lot about any of that before we started, before you guys interviewed her today. I think we need an Agnes daily trip. So let's factor that one into the budget. Could we? Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Let's plan on it. (laughs) You figure that out. We'll let the listeners go. Should we? Let's let them go.